people meanwhile almost everywhere in the world mm-hmm. i mean where we were that was stone town in zanzibar that's more of a muslim culture and believe it or not they are very strict when it comes to people doing harm oh You're listening to The Sill Podcast with Peter Noche and Harry Posner. Episode 65, The Undefinable Spirit, Globetrotting with the Patents. So, have you ever wanted to pick up roots and travel the world? Well, our next guest, Chantelle Patton, has, along with her husband and partner, Tyler, and their three daughters, 15-year-old Julia, 13-year-old Angelique, and 10-year-old Chloe, are living that dream. They've just celebrated their fifth anniversary of their arrival in Europe after what began as a five-week holiday that has turned into a worldwide odyssey covering 92 countries and counting. Chantelle, good morning. Good morning, and thanks for having me. Thank you, and thanks for joining Harry and I from the beautiful Hockney Valley just outside Orangeville, Ontario. You mentioned that you and your family are currently back in Canada for a few days, visiting uh, with your in-laws. Where to next? What country? We are visiting. We're so excited to be back home in our native land, if you will, our home country, and our next uh, trip and our next big travels is going to be Central America. So. Mm, cool. Well, you and your partner were already running businesses before you began your travel adventures. Uh, how do you manage to travel and still run online businesses? Well, that is the big question. So we had read a book back in 2008, which maybe some of your listeners have heard about. It's called The 4-Hour Workweek. And um, when we first ordered it, I didn't even see what we were ordering. So I thought it was going to be the four-day work week. And I thought, wow, this is fantastic. You know, we'll have Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, you know, mm. cram all of our work into four days. And we got the book and it said the four-hour work week. And I was like, is this possible? And he was talking all about being able to leave your business and travel and be a nomad and have a digital lifestyle and so on and so forth. And so we started basically directing our whole business into that style so it would fit what we wanted as a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And um, we did a test run to Florida, which wasn't too far away, and nothing fell apart. Everything still ran, and as long as we had the internet, we could still run our business. And so we have managed to do that for many, many years now and literally run everything from a cell phone and a computer. So we still have a lot of systems in place. We make all of our phone calls over Wi-Fi and we manage our business that way. Mm-hmm. Very cool. You're on the road. How many months of the year would you say? Wow. On the average. Well, I think my husband actually calculated how many days we were physically home since the start of the year. Yeah. And I think he said it was 30 days. That sounds (laughs) crazy. I wish it was more. Honestly, we're on the road a lot. We leave, we come back, and then it seems like we just don't even unpack and we pack and we're gone again. I guess the question for me then about that is, do you ever feel homesick for getting back to your headquarters in Switzerland? Do you ever miss that sense of security that's traditionally associated with the idea of home? A hundred percent, yes. We do miss it and we miss it but we enjoy being on the road as well. So what we miss is having home-cooked meals, 
variety of clothing, maybe, um, as we're four girls in the house. So we miss all those smelly extra things that you don't travel with, maybe a nice bottle of perfume mm-hmm. or all those little extra fluffy things that you don't get. And um, the girls miss being able to be a part of maybe a dance club or um, activities like that, that when you're on the road, you don't necessarily have access to right. unless you're there for you know, a few weeks at a time and you can find somewhere where you can interject them for a little time. But it's not the same. It's definitely not the same lifestyle, but it offsets you the adventure and being able to save places and doing the things that we're doing. It balances itself out with the desire or the lack of, if you will. Yeah, sure. And you're speaking about really what you're talking about is also managing a family And of course, there's the issue of uh, educating your children in the absence of uh, traditional classrooms and schooling. Uh, Which method or methods did you adopt or are you adopting? Yeah, so we were kind of pushed into homeschooling. If I was given the choice, I would much rather have the kids in school just because, to be honest, it's almost... I don't want to use the word babysitting, but it's a great system to have your kids put off for the day Mm -hmm. and out of your hair. But when you're (laughs) traveling all the time, we did receive the notice like you are no longer allowed to take your kids out of school. Like this is enough. Mm -hmm. And in Switzerland, they are strict. And so they mean business. If you don't abide, you're going to get a four to five hundred franc fine, which is in Canadian dollars, almost $700, you know, so it's not a joke. And so we said, okay, well, we're going to homeschool. So we researched different curriculums ones that would fit our lifestyle. And so I found a great online curriculum that doesn't require us to lug around all these books and manuals and such. Mm -hmm. They plug into the computer and they have literally their whole year in advance scheduled for them. A lot of the grading is done automatically while they go through it. And so the first year, there was a lot of pressure. You're just getting started and like, oh my gosh, we have to get everything done. And what I started realizing is that when we're traveling, they're learning geography. They don't really need to go back in and read their textbook geography lesson or what have you. They're learning actually more as we're going. Mm. So a lot of the geography and history, I started compiling along with our travels to be like, if we're in this country, we're going to learn about their history and their culture and their lifestyle and their geography, their rivers, their whatever, right? Vegetation, all that kind of stuff. And then we've really stuck to the math and sciences online. And what we've done to kind of accompany that because we are busy and on top of all of that we have going on, we started now our YouTube channel, which is a whole other, if you will, business in itself. And so time is of an essence. So we do have an online Skype teacher who plugs in when we can and basically is there to keep them accountable for what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And how do your daughters feel about having kind of a lack of regular ongoing friends that you would normally have if you're in one place? I don't know that they know much different because Mm. we've been doing this for so long. Right. So they don't, I don't know if we're just blessed or what, but they don't complain like a typical teenager would. And not one of them has said like, that's enough. I don't want to do this anymore. So it hasn't ever gotten to that point, but we're not yet into boyfriend stages or any of that. So Mm. I don't know if that's going to (laughs) change. That's why we're on this race. I mean, we have to our goal is to see every country in the world. So we have to, we have a short window because they're growing fast, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and soon it's going to be like, mom, I don't want to go with you anymore. Yeah. Exactly. And, and there's certainly no shortage of stimulation all over the place, is there? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but speaking about the traveling part, and you mentioned earlier when you were speaking about uh, technology, uh, I mean, really without the technology that we have today, a lot of what you are doing would be very difficult, if not impossible what happens to you when it fails? How do you react wow. to it? You know, internet connections and so on. 
Yeah, that is, I guess, when you were saying, what do you miss or do you miss having home? What we miss the most is that internet connection. If we're anywhere and we have that, that's where we have meltdowns or breakdowns or panics or Mm -hmm. because we're so used to relying on that. And we were just four months in Southern Africa and we went through countries like Malawi that had six to eight hours of no power in a day, no internet. And those moments there were a little bit stressful. We have maybe clients that are trying to reach us and what have you. But the good thing is, is because of technology and because of different applications that we use, even my emails can get filtered through some of the team that works with us. Mm -hmm. So we weren't falling behind. If we were falling behind in the sunset, it's usually my responsibility. Now I had to offset some of my responsibility to someone else, Mm -hmm. but it was okay. I guess it's the same like when someone goes on a cruise for a week, except for our weeks can sometimes be longer if we're in a place for more than, you know, five to 10 dates. Just in a part two to that question, Chantal, how do you use technology when you're actually on the road in different countries? Do you use Siri? Do you use Google Maps extensively or do you play by ear? How do you get around? Yes. So we download, if we're going to a country, um, I was joking when we first jumped on the call that we want to learn Russian. So if we're going, because most of the countries you can get by with English, French, Spanish, you have three languages like that, Mm -hmm. you can somewhat get by or understand. But when you're going into some of these Russian speaking countries, you're like, it doesn't even compute, right? It's so Mm -hmm. different. Uh, Or Asia, let's say. Um, So we'll download Google Translate in that language before we go mm-hmm. so that it's available offline as well. Because sometimes if we don't have internet connections or what have you, and if we are the ones going en route to go somewhere, we'll download on a Wi-Fi or before we go the the direct route on Google Maps. And even when you're offline, it still works. So you can have access to that. Cool. Offline. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Let me just roll the tape back a little bit uh, four or five years ago. Who was responsible for this? I mean, when did it happen and whose idea was it to embark on this new lifestyle? And was there any resistance from any of the family? Well, that's interesting because actually we were planning to go to Europe for five weeks. And so it sounded like, oh, this is going to be great. We're going to take the kids out of school for five weeks. At the time we were in Florida and we went. And what happened was, is I have a friend from Switzerland And she said, you know what? We should do a house exchange. I'll go to Florida for a month and you guys stay at my place for a month. Hmm. So our five weeks, we bridged it with an extra month where we traveled more. And then we did the house exchange. So five weeks became three months. And then Tyler loved it. I already knew I loved it. I mean, I've been to different places and I did live in Switzerland prior to for a few years. And I love it over there. And so it wasn't any hard sale for me when Tyler was on board. And he said, why don't we try living here for three months more, put the girls in school and see how it's going to work business-wise with the time zone differences, language, all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. we thought, well, we'll do a trial three months. And then those three months, of course, you get the bug because everything is so close. Then you end up going to here and there and, you know, traveling all over. And so it wasn't a hard thing. And it kind of just happened, I guess. It wasn't like it was planned out, like, oh, this is going to be our lifestyle for the next few years. It just kind of happened. Well, obviously the big part is you were in agreement in principle. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Box, box. So what's your story? Let me give you a warning, okay? I was in Paris about two months ago. And it was just a little vacation. I was on the East Coast. I had seven days off. I said, well, I'll just go over there and I'll go to Paris. But let me give you a warning, if you're going over there, here's an example. 
Chapeau means hat. Oof means egg. It's like those French have a different word for everything. So you never appreciate your language till you go to a foreign country that doesn't have courtesy to speak English. Box, box. I was looking at, uh, both Harry and I actually were looking at some of your videos, and specifically on your YouTube channel, you shared a, a nightmarish story about your daughter Chloe becoming very ill in uh, Ecuador and initially yeah. being misdiagnosed. Do you plan for, or how do you actually handle adversities while you're traveling? Mm, that one's really hard. And I was just having that conversation last night because we're about to embark uh, to go to Central America and there are some zones that have warnings and such. And so right away you get a little bit of those panic anxiety thoughts as a mom, like, mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, what are we getting ourselves into? How can we prevent it? Or what kind of medicine can I maybe carry with me this time in case? And I was just, uh, I actually emailed a few different places to see, can I get certain kinds of medicine? Because what if we're in the middle of nowhere and someone does get a bacterial infection? How can we, already prevent it to getting to a certain stage, right? Because she went septic. So that was extremely scary. Mm -hmm, um, yes. It's one of the things that you do face. I mean, it can happen anywhere. But yeah, when you're going into certain zones and certain areas, you are more at risk. And it is a risk that you have. When we were in Malawi, we were all sick for a week. It was really bad. Hmm. And those are the parts of travel that are not fun. But then you get rewarded with all the, the great parts of it, right? So it kind of comes with it. Uh, and there's been so many places that we've been 100% healthy and well. So I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> there's a part two to that question as well, Chantal. And it, it has to do with the word trust. I mean, you must have to have a lot of trust in your fellow human being wherever you go, trusting that they're not going to take advantage of you or steal from you or whatever. How do you, yeah. do you have a lot of trust in that way? I guess we must. You know, with all the traveling that we've done, we have had really amazing experiences. And I know because I was just at an event where people were sharing their horror stories. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like that's horrible. I don't know. Like we, no one has... I mean, sure, you get ripped off here and there with a little bit of the typical tourist spots. You're going to get overpriced and you might get something, but nothing has happened to us where it's been traumatic. We've come close where we thought something bad was going to happen, but mm -hmm. then it ended up being okay. And that was traveling into Colombia. And when we left Ecuador, our host said, you know, you guys, you shouldn't travel at night. You're obvious tourists not a great idea. And we did anyway. And so we were already in our minds thinking this is not very smart or safe. Mm -hmm. And we usually play by the rules in being very safe. If, if it's not a safe area, we don't go out late or at night. We really play it safe. Mm -hmm. But this time, so we did, we walked across the border and we were going to get into a taxi, but it had no sign of it being a taxi. And when we got in the guy, I had my Google maps, like I was saying, so I know exactly where we're supposed to be going at any given time, just to kind of safeguard ourselves a little. And he did start veering off mm. completely the other way. And mm -hmm. I started panicking. I was taking money and putting it in my underwear. And I swear <laughs> my heart was going. And like, literally, I was like, we are being kidnapped, mugs. This is not good. It was really scary, all of us, because like, we were all like looking at the maps going, this is like 
just not good. And what happened was, is I guess there was an alternate route that he was taking and he veered back around and I was just like, oh, thank God. You know, <laughs> you just have to really, depending on the country you're in, mm-hmm. play by the rules of the country. So if you know and you know, because the locals usually are the ones who tell you and the locals are more scared than the tourists because they know what's happening in their neighborhoods or mm-hmm. what have you. So when you talk to the locals, they're as tourists, you're naive and you stick out right. and everything. And people around the world are people and they're all living, trying to make good lifestyle for their families. So 99% of the people in the world are just really nice people. Yep. And it's those tiny little percentage set that you hear in the media that make it very scary for everyone, mm-hmm. right? Now, on the flip side of the nightmarish stories, there are always the zany stories of mix-ups because of language and miscommunication and that sort of thing. Can you share any stories along those lines that have happened to you? <laughs> so, for example, just um, a few weeks ago, we decided to go to Belarus, which mm-hmm. is very much still a communist country, yep. and they speak Belarusian, and so... We were coming in a little bit later than the check-in time showed on the email. And so we thought, okay, well, let's confirm. So we're calling the lady and we're using Google Translate to speak. So we're (laughs) speaking in English and then it's coming out in that language. And then she spoke back and we didn't understand, of course, a word she was saying back to us. So this went on for a few minutes and then I thought, this isn't good. Let's just email her. So we emailed her and no answer back. And we just, you have to go with the flow and go, okay, I hope it's all good. So we arrive and of course we got delayed at the border. And then when we arrived into the city, it was very dark. So the streets are dark. There's not many streetlights and we're trying to find this place. And it is we just can't find it. So we stopped and tried to find people who spoke English and we found two. One was from Syria and the other one from Iraq. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> and they were like, we'll help you find it. And then, of course, you get in your mind like all these bad thoughts like, oh, is it safe? You know, <laughs> and then uh, so they're walking down the road with Tyler and I'm driving, following them a few blocks down and they help us find the place. Well, the lady there, they called her on their phone. She was like, nope, it's past check-in time. Mm. I'm not accepting Uh-oh. you. And we're like, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So we were stuck there. So we just went to the downtown, found the nearest hotel with Wi-Fi, and then tried to find new accommodations. And thankfully, we book with systems like booking.com or hotels.com. Like, mm-hmm. And so they all have 800 numbers, and they'll all find you. And they'll, they'll replace the spot. And that's happened many times where, I mean, our very first night arriving in Tanzania, the hotel was overbooked. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so we arrived and there's no spot for us in the end. And we were like, oh my gosh, what do we do? It's happened so many times that you kind of, and you, you have to be very easygoing and just go, oh, well, it's not a big deal. Let's find another spot for the night. And because if not, you just would get very frustrated. Right? Well, you know, I saw that video of your first uh, trip to Africa right, and yeah. that they were overbooked and you're videotaping it through the front of the vehicle and the, the yeah. lights are shining on these sort of dark alleys with strange little huts and buildings <laughs> and kind of broken yes. down thoughts in my mind were, oh my God, this looks very dangerous to be doing this at night in Africa. Yeah, it took us till two in the morning. But there's the thing, it's not dangerous. Like, that's the whole thing. People, I mean, if we weren't in South Africa, and people tend to group everything as, if you hear something in the news in South Africa, then it must be all of Africa that's dangerous, but it's not. They're just pockets. Yeah, Yeah. they're just pockets. And people mean well almost everywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, where we were, that was Stonetown in Zanzibar. That's more of a Muslim culture. And believe it or not, they are very strict when it comes to 
people doing harm to people. So mm. no one's going to steal or rob me there. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. If yeah. nothing else, your travel experiences would probably teach a lot of people about the misconceptions that many of us, especially in the Western world, have about yeah. these countries. While you're yeah. speaking, you're obviously discussing a lot of experiences. And obviously in traveling, there's always unexpected events, inevitable surprises. Could you offer, do you have any tips or suggestions for handling the inevitable? Yes. Okay. So before we went on our trip to Africa, we had said to ourselves as a family, we, because what happened was, is we were in Belgium mm -hmm. and it was New Year's Eve and we went to a restaurant to get food and it was completely horrible. Everything didn't work. The waiter forgot about us. We got our food and then the drinks came half hour later. Like it was just dysfunctional. <laughs> right. And, uh, and we were a bit upset. And then we had a conversation right then and there. We're like, if this is Europe, and we're on our way to Africa. Oh my gosh, what are we getting ourselves into? Mm -hmm. So we've just <laughs> said as a family, we are dropping all expectations mm -hmm. and we are going to pretend in our mind that not one single thing is going to work for us. And that way we're not going to be upset and angry or miserable or grumpy or whatever it is. Because right. like, all those emotions happen when things don't work, you get upset and you, you sure. have a delay and it's frustrating. So by lowering all expectations to everything's going to happen, that everything wrong is going to happen, then every time something works, then you're just like, okay, this is great. You know, hey, mm -hmm. we had uh, whatever. <laughs> so, well, you must have extraordinary uh, daughters because yeah. know, girls that age don't always uh, respond uh, well to uh, challenges like that. I wouldn't say that they're extraordinary, but I think by them having those experiences, they just realize how the rest of the world has it so good. Because yeah. when we came back, and this is my 10-year-old daughter who said it, uh, one of my great friends, her daughter's going through depression. And that's something that is very real. And, and mm -hmm. my daughter looked at it from a 10-year-old perspective. And she said, Mom, she should just go. And I don't want to say this is kind of me, but she said, she should just go to Malawi for one week. Mm. And she's going to be like, she'll be so happy, you know, and realize how, how good she has it. Like, there's no reason to be upset or depressed. Or, and I, I don't want to diss people that have maybe certain challenges or what have you, but it is true because if you take yourself and you go into a situation, like they often will say to people, go to a sick ward in the hospital and then you'll feel so much better. Or It's the same thing. Like when you've traveled and you see what you really have, mm -hmm. and what mm -hmm. we have access to, yep. it puts everything into perspective, doesn't it? Yes. And I hope I don't embarrass you by saying this in terms of how your children are handling and their experience. Don't sell yourself and Tyler short on what you've given them because beyond just the experiences that they're having, the modeling that's around them affects them greatly. And if the parents aren't panicking, it certainly helps them to understand that too. Probably. Just mimic what you are reacting like. They react the same way, right? Yeah. And now, is there yeah. anywhere in the world, is there anywhere that you absolutely wouldn't go? Have you put any limits on the scope of your travels? Well, we won't go to countries that are obviously at war or... Mm -hmm. Um, right now, Nicaragua, for example, they're going under political issues, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm reading about it and I'm like, Tyler, I don't think this is a good idea when we were going through what it's advising. And then his response is, well, do you see the size of the country? We're literally just going through it. What the media puts out and I know all that, but then you still get those thoughts like, mm -hmm, ah, but we sure. just wait a while, yeah. see what makes sense. But That'd obviously there's certain areas... Yeah. And there's certain areas you just don't go to. Mm -hmm. For example, when we were in Peru, 
we were trying to take a route to get to where we wanted to go without having to do a seven hour detour because a seven hour detour didn't make sense to us. Right. Mm-hmm. And we, we kept trying. We're like, why aren't we able to find a bus route to get whatever? And then we ended up talking to a local and he's like, because it's dangerous and they'll rob you and, you know, kidnap you along the way on those roads. And we're like, oh, mm-hmm. well, that makes sense. So we'll go the long route. So just knowing before you go makes a lot of sense. And then understanding that what's out there in the media is often portrayed as much larger than it really is. Mm-hmm. And in each country that's under turmoil, there are people living there that are normal families living their day-to-day life, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And while you're on that subject, then, what would you say, if you can recall, was one of or the most overwhelming experience or scariest experience you've had individually or as a family? Mm. Overwhelming, also, just... overwhelming also as an awe-inspiring, not just the negative. Yes. Oh. Mm. can go either way. Okay, well, for me, the most overwhelming, like just with beauty and awe and everything like that to me is Thailand. You've got beaches, you've got the most delicious food. I just loved it there. So I think that's just phenomenal and amazing. Mm. And then most scariest situation was, yeah, when Chloe was sick, because I had no power over that. And that was very, very scary. (laughs) So that answer your question? Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> it does. It does. Another question I have for you has to do with sort of family dynamics. Would you say that your travels have altered the way your family engages, family members engage each other? Have the dynamics oh, shifted? 100%. This is so interesting. Hmm. Um, when you are forced to be together for so many hours, it's amazing how you I mean, it's not like it's functional. I often joke and say that we're a dysfunctional family, (laughs) but we function in that dysfunction. Uh So nothing's ever perfect. But when you're together 24-7 and you're put under stressful moments or you're tired and you're hungry and things aren't going right, it's amazing how you just somehow things, you make it work and you, as a family, you get along better because you have no choice but Mm -hmm. to get along better you work out systems that more or less work for you, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be completely transparent. Like we put ourselves under pretty stressful environments that we don't always have to put ourselves under, whether it's time or putting too much on the plate. Like that's one thing that I find, I don't know if it's just our family or if it's every traveler. When you go somewhere, you want to see so many things. You want to do so many mm-hmm. things and experience so many things that you overload your schedule mm-hmm. and you get exhausted because you're trying to, fit it all in and then you're you've got all the other responsibilities of your in our case our jobs and our workload and we sometimes put ourselves into these own situations where if you just have a little bit more time then you can just Mm -hmm. experience so much longer or stay a little longer or but it's amazing because the girls they get along so well and I think it's because of that because they're together they become friends and they're not like the typical fighting kids Mm -hmm. So 92 countries and five years later, and in line with what uh, Harry was asking you about dynamics, what have you learned about yourself through these adventures? I have learned more about who I am as a person, Mm -hmm. my character, because your character comes out and the easygoingness of it. I mean, I have a lot of people tell me they would never want to do what we're doing. (laughs) I'm like, Mm -hmm. I realize that maybe we're a little different because what we do is what our normal is, is a lot of people is so not normal for them. And mm-hmm. for us, it just seems so natural and so normal that sometimes you don't realize that it's maybe a little different than what most people do. And then because we end up interacting with other people who have the similar lifestyle like us, then we just think it's even more normal. Mm-hmm. So I just, what I've learned out of it is our characters and 
how we are as people, what we enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. Harry and I have been through your YouTube and your Instagram and looked at the various things that you're posting. What do you want to tell the listeners? Where can they find you? Where can they find your various uploads and so on? So first and foremost, we're putting a lot of our energy into our YouTube channel. So first I would go to youtube.com and look up Growing Up Without Borders. Uh, There we post all of our travels and videos and such. And then as a second, we're putting a lot on growingupwithoutborders.com on our website. Uh, We're we're backing a lot of our videos and our travels with all of our pictures and blogs about the different destinations we've been to. And everyone can subscribe to our mailing list there. On the mailing list, we're going to start Mm -hmm. putting in some of our travel tips and our upcoming trips and such. But really just to engage with us on YouTube. Of course, we have Instagram and Facebook as well. Yeah, we want this to be our primary endeavor in the future. So it's all about uh, getting the word out there and sharing it with friends and family. Well, that's awesome, Chantel. Listen, thank you so much for, for coming on on our podcast. And I've got the itch to travel again. Yeah. <laughs> I was in Paris oh, last awesome. year last year for a week with my wife, and it was just like it went in a heartbeat. And uh, we have to get out more. And I think all of us should travel more and just learn more about the world we live in and the people we share the planet yeah. with. So thank you very much for sharing these things and for sharing your experiences online for people all around the world. And we wish you the best of luck. Uh, on your travels. You and your entire family just keep having fun and keep posting. Well, you guys, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Our Uh, pleasure. Really appreciate the time. The Sill Podcast is a Connecting Dots Media production available at thesillpodcast.com.